This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, this is the H-Town Hoops Podcast with Brandon Scott and Adam Splane doing a little bit differently today. We do not have our good friend and producer Austin Mendez behind the scenes for us. He is on vacation, so shout out to him. Hopefully he is enjoying himself. But we have the NBA draft coming up in just a couple of days. Brandon Scott and Adam Splane here for the H-Town Hoops Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing, liking, rating, reviewing, telling people all about it. And in the meantime, we're going to do this podcast, but we're also going to be on Sports Radio 610 on draft night. You can hear that on the air on Sports Radio 610 or on the Odyssey app from 7 to 10 p.m. Central Time. That is when the draft starts at 7 o'clock. And so we will be carrying coverage live throughout. But in the meantime, we figured it'd be a good idea to preview said draft since we've been talking about it all of these weeks, going back to the lottery and all of that. And there's probably no better place to begin than with Amon Thompson as the betting favorite to go to the Rockets. Tell you what, Adam, let's do this real quick. Before we get to Amon Thompson and the Rockets, since there are three teams that are slated to pick ahead of the Rockets, and that is a big part of the story. No mystery of what's happening at number one. Victor Wembanyama is going to the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, it would take – I don't even think it would take anything. There's just no – possibility at all that he does not go number one so but from there it gets interesting with number two and number three there are reports of perhaps charlotte not being as interested in scoot henderson as we all maybe would have assumed that they would be as the clear-cut at least to me clear-cut number two prospect in this draft they could do a number of things going from from drafting brandon miller out of alabama to trading the pick I, I, let me let's let's just start there with focusing on charlotte and portland just as an idea what they might do what do you make of sort of the reports that charlotte might not draft scoot henderson they might go in the direction of brandon miller and then what the sort of domino effect is on the draft from there yeah i i, I get the thinking I, you know i think we all went into this season thinking that it would be women victor going one and then scoot henderson would go two but I think the one thing about Brandon Miller that's intriguing, this is kind of what I always thought um, really since this process started, was that you have in Brandon Miller a six-foot-nine wing who can do everything. And those types of players are very difficult to find. You know, really great guards, you know, on-ball scorers like a Scoot Henderson who's six-foot-two, you can get those guys. And that's not to – to minimize how good of a prospect Scoot Henderson is. It's just that guys that are built like him, they come around. 
guys that are built like Brandon Miller and have his skill set, they don't come around very often. There are very few of those in the league. To me, that's kind of the hardest position out there to find. So that's why it makes a lot of sense that a team would have Brandon Miller rated ahead of Scoot Henderson because that's, I think, how I would have it also. Um, so, so I get it um, to that degree. Now Miller comes with some complications, obviously, with the off-court stuff coming from Alabama. But I, I still I understand where Charlotte is thinking. Plus, I, I do, and I, I don't know if Charlotte is the type of team that should be worried about team building at this point, just because of there's just very little talent on the roster, and it's not like they're close to winning games at any point. But I feel like um, Brandon Miller next to Lamelo Ball probably makes a little bit more sense than Scoot Henderson next to LaMelo Ball. And if they think that LaMelo Ball is going to be there for a long time, then it would make sense to have the best fit next to him. Yeah, and that's what's interesting to me about it, Adam, because for me, Scoot Henderson is the pick in terms of talent and upside and just the overall philosophy of drafting the best player available. I would go with Scoot Henderson from that regard. But when you talk about terms of fit and what LaMelo Ball does, and is there some positional redundancy between LaMelo Ball and Scoot Henderson, are they the same caliber player? Are you just looking at two potential NBA, all-NBA caliber point guards and saying, hey, we only need one of those? I mean, I, I think that that's possible. But for me, just and, – and, and look, I don't care what Charlotte ends up doing, but it's just an, an interesting thought process and, and interesting to also hear that you agree with it. Because for me, I just want to get the best possible basketball players that I can get in here. And, and honestly, I'd like to see if they could play together, see how they fit together before I just went and assumed that they wouldn't. But but certainly a a, a Brandon Miller, um, I, I think a Brandon Miller pick there changes a little bit what the rest of the draft looks like, because I don't know if I. I, I, I like if, if if Charlotte doesn't like the fit of Scoot Henderson with LaMelo Ball, Portland, if they're still committed to the Dame Lillard experience now, they might end up trading Dame. I don't know what's exactly what's going to happen there, but the, the same train of thought would apply to me with. And that's not to say Portland and Charlotte think the same, but that would be a, sort of the same line of logic to me of, hey, we already got a a next level or high caliber point guard we don't need another one of those so i guess that this is the long-winded way of asking is there a possibility or i know that there's a, that the possibility is there but could you see one of those top three guys falling into the four spot where houston finds itself either being brandon miller or scoot henderson i don't think so just because you look at portland at three and yeah maybe uh, Scoot Henderson doesn't make a ton of sense with Damian Lillard, but to me, the gap is so big between three and four that they would just take Scoot Henderson. And there's always the possibility that they trade Lillard or that they move on from Lillard at some point, whether it's before the draft tomorrow or so at some point during the summer. And then you have just that easy Damian Lillard replacement right there. So to me, regardless of what Portland decides to do, Henderson would be the pick. Now, Portland loves athletes and they love drafting athletes. They're the team that took Shaden Sharp, I think, a little bit earlier than a lot of people thought. So maybe, you know, if a team were to maybe jump up and take, you know, the best athlete on the board, maybe they go and take Amon Henderson instead and say, you know what, we have Lillard here. We don't need to, you know, we don't need you to play right away. You know, we you can take some time, develop, really get your skills, you know, really um 
you know, Im improve your skills before you're actually needed on the NBA floor. But to me, I, I think Henderson would be the pick, uh, assuming it's kind of like what the Rockets had last year, where, you know, you knew the top three weren't necessarily sure the order, but you knew at three, you were just going to take whoever was left of the three between Bancaro, Holmgren and, and Smith. And so the Rockets wound up taking Smith. I think that this top three of Victor, um, Miller and Henderson, if you're Portland, you just take the, the last remaining of the three. And then there was number four, which is where the Houston Rockets find themselves. Of course, we know this already have covered the lottery and this is where they've been now for some time. And there's been a lot of different conversation back and forth, but a lot of it has focused on Amon Thompson. Uh, so there has been some Cam Whitmore out of Villanova, some conversation about him. We'll get to him in a second. But Amon Thompson right now is the betting favorite to go to the Rockets at number four overall. That's both, you know, from the betting lines and also just from reading the tea leaves from the reports. It sounds like the Rockets and doing their own scouting and evaluation have looked at a number of players. Amon Thompson, Cam Whitmore, Amon Thompson's twin brother, Asor. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing uh, the, the second Thompson's uh, name correctly, but the but his his twin brother, they've evaluated as well. And it seems like Amon Thompson is going to be the one more than likely that they pick. And, and for what it's worth, in a three-man draft, he does seem to be, I won't say consensus, but a very popular fourth guy in a three-man draft. Like it doesn't, it, it it's not it, it's not a bunch of names there of who the fourth guy might be. Amon Thompson has been a, a pretty consistent name there. For me, I I like the fit of hey, let's pair two supremely athletic guards in Jalen Green and Amon Thompson, but one of them is a natural point guard, a natural playmaker, and a guy who can create shots for others, uh, but also match the athleticism of the younger guys that are on the team with them. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm more of a Cam Whitmore guy, but <laughs> we've been saying for a while that the and not just that we've been saying, but it's obvious that the Rockets need to address the point guard issue that's there. Um, we'll get into kind of my stance on that whole point guard thing when we talk about Cam a little bit more. But let's let let's talk about Amon real quick. Uh, we've had a little bit more time to maybe look 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 up and and watch and read up on him. What do you think of Amon Thompson to the Rockets as a fit and as the betting favorite to go to them at number four? Um, I think that he would be the natural guy. Uh, for four, I think that the ceiling on him is, is is incredibly high, and there are some people that have him in the top three. If if just if you look at big boards, and so yep. um, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to know, like in a normal draft. I don't know if this is necessarily considered a normal draft, especially with the guy at the top. But I, I right. do wonder where teams would have him, and I, I do wonder if he would have played college basketball instead of overtime elite or whatever that league is. I do wonder how different his stock would be if we saw him on a stage and you saw him play in games that really mattered and where there was really some stakes. Um, no disrespect to that league, but it's just not the same as, as what you're going to get in college basketball just because, you know, the coaching's a lot. You know, you're playing to win games, really, in college basketball uh, more so than in these other leagues. So I'd be interested to know. You know, what the stock would have been like had he played against, I guess, better competition would be the best way to put it. But just the athleticism is off the charts, and that's the big thing for him. And so now I think as an organization, you have to kind of make the decision, all right, he can't really shoot right now, but does he have – is that there? Like are, are there things – are there 
are there some traits with him where, okay, he, he tweaks one thing here, he tweaks one thing there, and all of a sudden that shot is a whole lot different and, you know, it can be passable at this level. I think that's the big thing. I think the size is big too. Um, if your point guard is 6'6", six, six, I think that puts you at just at such a big advantage over other teams because it just gives you so much versatility. And you can play a lot of different styles of defense to where if your point guard is six foot one, you know, once he fills out, he's going to be able to guard a lot of different positions. And I think that you've kind of seen it just in the postseasons. Um, when you when you watch playoff basketball, the teams that have, especially the point guard who can defend basically everyone one through five, that's a big deal. And when the Rockets were at their best uh, in 2018, they had guys who could guard everyone one through five, whether it was the point guard and Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, James Harden, whatever. It, it just gave it, it just made things a lot easier. And it also makes you harder to defend too, because if you're going to have a point guard who's six foot six, you have the opportunity to really take advantage of teams that have those smaller point guards. So I, I think Thompson, it, that pick is fine. Um, his brother, I think his brother, Asor is considered to be the better shooter of the two. And, I think athletically, Amon is probably, you know, rates a little bit higher. And I would be interested to know, like, if the Rockets just don't think that Amon Thompson will be able to shoot, then maybe you just go with a sore. Because I do think that, you know, the other thing that you learn as you watch postseason basketball, if you can't shoot, it's really hard to have you on the floor a lot of the times unless you can do some of the other things, not just at a high level but at an elite level. So I think that Amon Thompson at four is a really good pick. Uh, I think that he has a chance to be a really good player. And I also think that they don't necessarily need to rush him on the floor either. And I think that we'll kind of get into that as this whole thing progresses. But you look at the guards that they already have with Porter and with Green. We'll get into this, I'm sure, a little bit later. But whoever it winds up being, my guess is that they're going to add another point guard in free agency. So if you do that, that allows you to maybe stash Amon Thompson on the bench a little bit just so that he can get used to the NBA life and you're not throwing too much at him. Um, because as we've talked about, they do want to try and win games this year. And I don't know if Amon Thompson is going to help you win games this year. Now, the draft isn't about the next year. It's about the the next year and then the nine years that follow. So for me, I would go Amon Thompson and I would not rush him onto the floor at all. Yeah, so a couple of things here that you mentioned that I'll that I'll touch on. Let's let's start with Armin Thompson's size and how that translates to the you know, on the defensive end. Like it's not just that he's big and athletic for the position, but he actually has the motor and you know, from everything that I've seen and read about him, he actually has the motor and the commitment and want to on defense to actually get up and guard. Now, this is something that you may have said by, about a number of players going into the league and then they get on a team that's not very good. Maybe things change and maybe the effort doesn't look the same as the way maybe you thought it did going in. But Amon Thompson, in addition to being somewhat of an athletic freak, in addition to having like ideal size for a point guard, also has like a, has shown a legit ability to defend. Now, obviously, he has not played against NBA talent, but he has shown some upside there on the defensive end. And I think that's a, that's a big deal for a team like this that has struggled so much defensively, at least just knowing what they're doing defensively. But, but I've always thought that all of them for the most part had the ability for the most part had the ability. It was just a, a matter of commitment, but 
you started off with the competition thing. And that's the big thing. I think that's the bias against Amon Thompson for me. It's not Amon Thompson himself. It's just that a lot of these other guys I've watched play and I can I can adequately tell you about the competition that they were playing against or adequately measure the competition they were playing against versus this overtime elite thing, which is kind of foreign and just a little bit more difficult for me to follow and understand as opposed to college basketball that we've been watching most of our lives. So, like, I think about that and I'm like, man, same thing that you said. If Amon Thompson had played in the NCAA tournament or in one of those conference tournaments or in one of those midseason invitationals or something like that, like if I had just gotten to see him against somewhat of the more traditional setting, I would have a better sense for or I feel like I would have a better sense for how it's going to translate. That being said, that athleticism is going to translate one way or the other. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad pick to by, by any stretch. Even though I do think that Cam Whitmore could be special. And again, I'll say this: this could be a college basketball bias on my part. Watching him play at Villanova, we talked earlier in the offseason about how I was a big fan of Anthony Black um out of arkansas just because i thought you know what i saw from him on the biggest stage you know up until the nba you know the biggest college basketball stage i liked what i saw um i i think cam whitmore and Amon thompson are similarly situated in terms of being projected as guys who could could be all-star level players but here's where i am now i just kind of want, want you to hear me out on the cam whitmore thing for a lot of the reasons that you pointed out about not rushing Amon Thompson, I agree. They should not feel like they need to rush him. They should not feel like he's got to come in there and be the point guard right away. But for me, I do prefer that they get a point guard and that the point guard focus be somebody that could come in and contribute right away. And whoever they pick in this draft be someone that could come in and contribute right away. I've got some questions about Cam Whitmore's feel for the game. You and I talk a lot about the Rockets' lack of basketball intelligence across this roster, and that's probably the biggest knock on my argument for Cam Whitmore is that I, I feel like he would fall somewhere along the lines of what we've kind of more along the lines of the same of what we've seen there just because of the experience, and it, and it didn't necessarily look great uh, in terms of reads and always making the best decisions on the court for Cam Whitmore. But, man, similar to Amon Thompson, a supreme athlete, uh, someone who I think could be a really good uh, uh, plus defender and someone who I think could actually come in and, and make a difference right, right away. I almost look at him as just a, a better, perhaps higher ceiling version of what they already have in Kenya Martin Jr. And, and, and so that's that's part of it with me. I much prefer that they go the experienced point guard route because I do think it's important for a team like this to have an experienced point guard and then from there just get the best possible player available what do you think about Cam Whitmore as a prospect yeah it's hard to to say because Villanova was down this year and Villanova guys have generally done really well once they've gotten to the NBA I think that that's <coughs> excuse me I, I think that um when, when you look at these Villanova guys, a lot of them get drafted, you know, 
a lot lower than they should. You know, Jalen Brunson got drafted a lot lower than he should have gotten drafted. Uh, Mikael Bridges got drafted a lot lower than he should have been drafted. And there are other Villanova guys that fit into this. But Dante DiVincenzo, I guess, would be another one. Um, yes. But, but what's different about Whitmore is that he's a one and done. And he also didn't play for Jay Wright. He played for Kyle Neptune. So um, it's kind of the rare Villanova one and done. Um, I, I don't know. I don't see him being able to really contribute that much right away. I mean, he could, but I think that it would be really rough at the beginning. And so I think that that's pretty common though for, for these college freshmen and for a lot of these guys, like it's, it's really hard to be, and we just saw it. We just saw it with Jabari Smith. And yeah. I think that we both probably, I can't speak for you, but I know I thought that Jabari Smith would come into the NBA and it would just be seamless. Like it would be easy for him from day one. And then you realize, no, it's not like this is, this is not easy. This is a very, very difficult league. This is the best league in the world. And I don't care how much talent you have and how much ability that you have going from the college game to the NBA game, where the competition is so much better. You're playing so many more games. Uh, you just can't, ex you know, you're not playing back to back really in college, except for maybe you get into, if you're playing in the Maui Invitational, you know, you're playing in your conference tournament. That's the only time that you're playing back to backs. Once you get into college, you're doing that routinely in the NBA and it's hard, you know, you're traveling so much. Like, it's, it's hard to be good right away in the NBA. So I'm going to sit here and tell you that I don't think that Cam Whitmore will be a good player from day one. That's basically, I can say that about everybody. Um, the talent is certainly there. Um, the the size and the versatility is there. And, and I think that's important. I, I think the versatility is probably the most important trait with him. The athleticism, uh, that sort of stuff is important. The, the shooting wasn't great at Nova, but it wasn't awful either. You know, I think right. he was... 34% from three. I mean, you can build on that, assuming that they feel like the mechanics are there for him to really improve at that. So yeah, Adam, it, Adam, he, 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 he feels, he feels not to cut you off, man. He feels Anthony Edwards light to me. Like I'm not saying he's Anthony Edwards, but, but he feels like he's built sort of in that mold. And if he's like 80% of Anthony Edwards, I'm intrigued by that. But would you take him forth for 80% of Anthony Edwards? I don't think I would. And I think that I would probably rather have the, the guy who can be on the ball a little bit more um, for that. But still, I don't, I don't think that Whitmore would be a bad pick, though. It doesn't sound like it sounds like they're kind of they've kind of cooled on him just a little bit. Um, yeah. And Kelly Eco wrote today that, you know, he worked out for them, but it was more of an informal workout than anything else. So it, it doesn't seem like Whitmore is going to be the guy for I know he got some buzz and I think that he's been really high on some big boards. I think. Um, some big boards might even have him fourth, but I, I think that for them, I would be surprised if that's the direction that they go in. Yeah. Um, speaking of big boards, one of Kelly Eco's colleagues at, at the athletic actually has Cam Whitmore as his, I want to say third best prospect after yeah, obviously Victor, Victor Wimbanyama and then Scoot Henderson, but he has Cam Whitmore, ahead of Brandon Miller and Amon Thompson, which I thought was interesting. I, I wouldn't go that far and say that he's just a better prospect. I just I just like him sort of in a vacuum, singularly as a player. And then more than – and I really like Amon Thompson. I, I think more than anything is I'm looking at it. Maybe it's because I fixated on the idea that they were going to either go get James Harden or that Fred Van Bleet was a possibility. But I, in my mind, I've had my, my eyes set on – young Rockets team the big change for them 
going from last season to this season is the coaching change, adding M.A. Udoka, and then a veteran point guard presence, if they could get it. And so I've, I've kind of had my mind set on that and, and have thought around it like, yeah, Amon Thompson could be great, but, you know, this is a team that's been bad for three years in a row. Uh, dude, is a is a a point guard who needs time to develop the the thing that this team needs after the last two seasons or the last three seasons they've been trying to develop, especially the last two seasons, trying to develop a guy into a point guard. Like to me, I'm just maybe I'm just over experimenting with that position and ready to kind of go with more of a sure thing. But to that point, I, I would say this. I would put a bow on it in, in this way. And we'll we'll talk about the idea of trading the pick in just a moment. But I feel a lot better about what they could get at number four, whether it be Amon Thompson or Cam Whitmore than I did say the initial disappointment of falling out of the top three of like, oh, man, well. Is it even worth picking there at all? You know, should you just completely should you just completely trade out of it? Or like, do you actually feel comfortable picking a player there? And I can say different from lottery night and the podcast that we've done between then and now that picking at number four seems to be something that I'm comfortable with as an observer. And it seems to be something that the Rockets themselves are comfortable with, uh, whether it be Amon Thompson, who we think it is going to be or Cam Whitmore, who was somebody that was just uh, – you mentioned Kelly's piece. He mentioned in there that there were a few voices that had argued for several different players, and that's, I guess that's how the process works. But Cam Whitmore's name came up. Uh, of course, Armin Thompson is the leader of the clubhouse. Saw a little Jairus Walker in there. I was like, I wonder – Wonder, I wonder who, I wonder what U of H contingent in the uh, in the Rockets brass might have been arguing for some Jairus Walker at number four overall, but but uh, but yeah, I, I think that they are in a much better place than I felt like they were in from the initial uh, point of not getting one of these top three guys. But I want to see if we at least agree on this part that trading the pick is still best. It does not. It seems less likely now from when we were sort of uh, speculating about this earlier in the offseason or, or around lottery time, I still like your idea that we discussed in the past of trading back and still getting a similar caliber player that you could get it for, possibly at six or eight or whatever it is, and or maybe even trading up from 20. What do you think about trading this pick? Do you feel like that's still the maybe the best move for the Rockets, however unlikely it might be? Not, not really. Just because I, I don't know what trade is even out there. Like that's yeah. that's the big thing. Like you look at, you know, I think that when this process started, there was an expectation that they would trade the pick for a vet, and then you start going down and like, okay, well, what vet can we actually get for four, and would that vet even be worth it? Like, right. so you, you go through it and like, would you have if they could have? Would you have done four for Bradley Bill? I would not have done four for Bradley Beal. As great of a player as Bradley Beal has been over the course of his career, that contract plus the no trade, that's that, um, that just doesn't really interest me. Would you trade OG Ananobi or would you trade the fourth pick for OG Ananobi? And I don't think I would because Ananobi is a free agent after next season. And now all of a sudden you're that's a little scary, like trading the fourth pick for a guy who could just leave. I don't really necessarily want to do that. The Jalen Brown thing was the interesting part. You know, that was the interesting name. But again, he's a guy who could have left, you know, if you if you trade the pick for him. So to me, there just isn't a veteran out there. And the guys that might have been out there are not necessarily guys that you want. 
And I'm really interested. I think we're going to find this out once we get to free agency. But the new CBA and that second apron, I think, is really going to impact the way that teams build. And I don't know if you're going to have like the stars will make their money and the rookie scale guys will make their money. But it does kind of feel like the vets are going to get squeezed because you don't necessarily want these fringy great players on max deals or on deals that approach maxes just because of what the second apron does to you and, and how it, it hamstrings you. And the Rockets are in a certain bit. They're, they're in a bit of an advantage right now because um, their entire roster is basically on a rookie contract at this point, aside from, you know, a couple and, and the guys that aren't on rookie contracts, they aren't making a ton of money. So um, I don't think that trading the pick is best. I think that at this point, just from what we had out there, making the picket for developing that guy into a great player. I think that's probably the best route to go. Now, if you want to try and trade up, go ahead, try and trade up. Um, if you want to try and trade down, I think that that works as well. I just don't know if that's out there for them. You know, one of the things that, you know, Kelly wrote today is that, you know, Portland would obviously be interested in trading three, but they're looking for a vet and the Rockets don't have that vet. Um, Charlotte, I think is just kind of interesting because they're about to be sold and you don't know exactly what they're thinking, but it doesn't seem like they have, that they are interested at all in trading to, it seems like they want to take the second pick and go from there and, and start rebuilding or who knows, build around the second pick and LaMelo ball. Um, so it kind of feels like that taking the picket four is best. And I just don't think that there is anything out there that would move me off of that right now. Here's my argument for it, and it's I'm not going to pretend like it's the strongest argument, but in a draft, when you're going to pick a twin and you're going to pick the better of the twins and the lesser of the twin could be available to you in a couple of spots later, I don't care what you get back. Just like if you get anything of value, of like a, a, if you could get an asset back to get basically the same guy two picks later, that to me is intriguing. Like I would be trying to play this game of, or at least be interested in playing this game, not to say I'd for sure do it, but I'd want to know, Hey, what can I get for the fourth pick and move back to six or seven and still draft essentially the same guy, you know, or, uh, you know, we've thrown out the Grady Dick possibility, you know, who could go anywhere from, I don't know, eight to 16. I don't know where Grady Dick's going to go, but he could go any, he could go in any of those spots. And that's a player that we've, I think, agreed on as somebody that can come in and, and contribute to the Rockets, especially helping their, uh, their, their 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 shooting struggles that they've had, particularly last year. So that to me is what's still intriguing about it. I don't know if it's best, but it is it is still interesting, even if you can't get one of those guys that we were talking about before, a Jalen Brown or an Ananobi or somebody uh, of, of that caliber. So so it, it does intrigue me from that regard, but just from a Honestly, from a stress standpoint, from a you and I are doing a show, a live show at the time, I, I would appreciate if they stayed at double four and, and did something along the lines of what we've kind of already prepared for mentally and psychologically. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, since this came up and, and Zion Williamson has been in the news for a number of reasons, uh, basketball and non-basketball related, we, we can say. But from the basketball standpoint, it looks like. A combination of Zion's maturity issues, availability issues, health issues have made him someone who, while a an all NBA talent 
and, and an all NBA type of player if and when he plays seems like someone that maybe the Pelicans have lost their patience with. And that's concerning, man, because the Pelicans don't just get superstars. They had Anthony Davis, couldn't hold on to him. They've got Zion Williamson now. Who knows how long they're going to hold on to him. But that's not like, you know, a, a superstar haven or like a place where great players are just dying to go. If you don't draft them, you're probably not going to get them unless you trade for them. And, and here's Zion. Um, a guy that they drafted, a guy that they have paid, who sounds like might be on the trade block or at the very least somebody that they are entertaining, moving on from, given all the things that I just mentioned, the Rockets, just to throw this out there. And I know Bill Simmons and, and Ryan Russillo threw, uh, threw out a fake trade scenario on their podcast. I'm not going to necessarily do that, but just ask it this way, because Zion does intrigue me. Again, for the reasons that I mentioned, an all NBA caliber talent. I don't have to tell you this. You are aware of this. What would you trade, if anything? What would you trade for Zion if you were the Rockets or just in charge of a team for that matter? I wouldn't. Um, mm, I, I just, and the reason why, and here's the question that I have, and this is the question that I would pose to people out there Does Zion Williamson love playing basketball? Mm. And if the answer to that, isn't a resounding yes, then no, I have no interest. And it seems like he's the type of guy who's great at it, but doesn't love it. And if he loved it, he would be the type of guy who's in shape. He would be the type of guy that when he gets hurt, he's doing everything that he can to get back on the floor as quickly as possible. And he's not doing that. And so that's what makes me think he doesn't love basketball. And if you're going to have a guy, if you're going to pay a guy that sort of money and give up the sort of assets that it would take to get Zion Williamson, then the, he, the the guy you're getting has to love playing basketball. And so if he doesn't, then what are we doing? You know, you're, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to get better at, at this point, especially, you know, a, a lot of times for the guys that don't love to play, the motivation is the money. He's got the money now. You know, the money's there. You know, he, he's, he's, he, he got the endorsements. He played through his rookie deal. He got his max extension. I, I know there's some – you know, the teams are protected. It's not fully a guaranteed extension, but it's enough money to where he's going to be just fine. If he never plays another basketball game again, the so, money, the money and everything that comes with the money, I would, I would add, yeah, but yes. But, yes. but if he doesn't love to play, what is the motivation for him to actually play and to be in shape and to um, be on the floor for 70 games a year plus playoffs. So that's where I, for me, I wouldn't go there. I just wouldn't do it. Uh, and if if a team feels differently and if a team feels like he just needs a change of scenery and he'll be fine and we'll get him, you know, we'll, we'll get him in our building and everything will be good. Hey, go ahead. But for me, if it feels like he doesn't love to play and if he doesn't love to play, I can't I can't devote those sort of resources to him. Yeah, man, I hear you. I hear you. And those those questions are real. Those concerns are real. I can't dismiss them. I can't refute them. It's right there in front of us, man. He does not seem to be a self-motivated guy. He does not seem to have a high motor. He does not seem he does not seem committed to the grind. It, he just absolutely does not. There's no way around it. I wish there was. There's no way around it. But now, I, I would, let me let me throw in one thing. Go ahead. If if I were to trade for him. I would need to talk to him first and I need to yeah. sit him in, in a room and maybe, maybe he loves to play and the joy of the sport has just been sucked out of him 
in New Orleans. Maybe it's just been a toxic situation. And if he goes somewhere else, you know, whole change of scenery thing, he'll be revitalized. You've seen Aaron Rodgers this, you know, this uh, spring uh, during OTAs and minicamp with the Jets. He seems like reborn getting out of Green Bay. That's kind of what it felt like. Maybe he just needs to get out of New Orleans and, you know, and he'll be reborn and everything will be great. And he'll be his, he will find his joy for the game once again. But that's one of those things where I would actually need to sit down and talk with him just to see if that's there. And I think that you can, I would hope as a team or as a GM or whoever, that you'd be able to get a read of the guy just to see where his head is at. But if I feel like, if I have doubts that he loves to play basketball, then I can't go there. I don't care how I don't care how much talent he has. I don't care how he produces because if he's only going to do it twenty times a year, then what's the point? And you just saw that with New Orleans where he was great, like he was the best player on the floor for them and the best player on the floor most nights when he played. And you know he got to they, they were they almost had they were fighting it out for the best record in the league before he got hurt. But then he got hurt and never came back. So what's the point? You know he, he's going to play just enough to get them into the play in where they lose, dude. Adam, he's so good. He's so good. He's so good and unreal. Like it, we talk about Victor Wimbyama as being a, the type of player that we've never really seen before. And I think because of Zion's injur- injuries and some of the foolishness that's, that's taking place sort of, you know, outside the lines and around him, it's been very easy to not take him seriously anymore and to also forget that he was also – like and like not the level anywhere near the level of prospect that we're talking about with Victor, I don't think. But but in terms of like, hey, I don't know if we've seen this before type of flair. He was that and, and proved himself to be that when he played, when he was healthy. Like, hey, this is a this is a one of one type of player. This is an all NBA caliber player when he plays. Look, man, I, I would turn every stone here like I would like I would have to be like, it wouldn't just, I, I couldn't just go in and, and like meet with him and then just kind of decide that he doesn't love basketball, man. I'd have to find out what does he love? What makes this guy tick? And we are going to tick it. We're going to get to it. Like if you, if you are motivated by the nightlife, if you are motivated by attention, if you are motivated by fame clout, I really don't care. I'm going to find it. And I'm going to tap into it and say, hey, Zion, you like the nightlife? You see how you, you, you see how much of a God James Harden became here when he came here and performed and gave this city something to cheer about and and and, and what his legacy was here before things kind of got weird there at the end. But did you see how he was able to come out here and perform both on and off the field? You know, like I, I, I would play into his sort of non-basketball sensibilities and say hey man if you take care of business on the court if you stay healthy if you stay committed to this here grind it's all waiting for you on the other side everything that you've ever dreamed of and didn't even know to dream of is waiting for you on the other side man you just got to come in here and handle business i'd get him a handler look man it, and this is maybe not be the, the 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 greatest way to talk just a few days after juneteenth but I'd get him a handler that's not allowed to leave his site to hell with freedom. This guy has to go with you everywhere that you go. And I would get the best nutritionist that money could buy. And we're going to turn Zion 
come hella high water, we're going to turn Zion into a pristine, tip-top shape athlete who's going to come out here and perform for whatever reasons and by whatever it is he's motivated by. I think he's that good. And, and, and I also think that it doesn't necessarily matter what they're motivated by. They just, so long as they are motivated, it has to be something. It ain't got to be basketball. It could be more money. It could be some of the extracurricular stuff that I'm talking about outside the field. I remember Curtis Martin when he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and his whole speech was about how he hated football. He couldn't stand football, but that was his meal ticket. That was that was his way towards success. And it landed him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't feel like everybody's got to be motivated by the same thing so long as they are motivated by something. And that's not saying I for sure do it, but man, I've got to I've got to turn every stone because the thing with me with Zion versus the players that are on this team now, the Rockets have a couple of players that I think have all NBA potential. I think Jalen Green has all NBA potential. I think Alperin Shingoon in a very weird, odd way has some like second, third team, all NBA potential. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it's there based off of just how skilled of a basketball player he is. He'd have to be a much more complete player probably, but he's good. I think, I think the potential is there a lot less so than Jalen, but I think it's there. Jabari Smith, Based off of his rookie year, it's hard to say that. But if I think about him in terms of the way I thought about him when he was drafted and like super like last three quarters full on some of the good things that he did this year as a rookie, you could squint and see how he could have all NBA potential. And, and that's where it ends, by the way, for me. But all of those guys, I'm talking about all NBA potential. Zion Williamson is an all-NBA guy if you keep him on the court. I know that's a big if, but that would be that would be the thing that I'm uh that I'm challenging my organization to do if I if I went down this road. It, it's it's he's just too good not to be at least intrigued by hey, what can we do as an organization to surround this guy to be successful? All I know is the Miami Heat played 23 playoff games last year this past postseason. And let me see, they might have played Okay, so they played 23 playoff games this past postseason. That's almost as many games as Zion Williamson has played the last two years. So that's it. That that to me is – I don't care how great he is. I don't care how great he could be. It doesn't help me if he's on the bench. It just doesn't. And there is no – the fact that that hamstring injury just lingered as long as it did and he got hurt in January and never came back, that's, that's a huge red flag that he just didn't want to play. And if you don't want to play, yeah. then, you know, he didn't want to play in New Orleans. You can, you can want to play here. I, I don't know. I just, it's just, uh, it's uh, icky. I'll, I'll, it, 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 I'll, it's I'll, icky. Yeah. I, and, and listen, I don't care about the, the off course stuff. Don't care one bit. I only care if he's going to play basketball and doesn't seem like he wants to play basketball. So until that changes, I'll let it, uh, hey, Team X over there, if you want to go for it, go for it. He's all yours. I'm not going to get in your way. And we'll see. It, listen, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe he'll get out of there and it'll be a completely different thing. But I don't know, just everything that I've seen over his career, just the games played where, I mean, he's, he got hurt the second he came into the league, you know, it's yeah. uh, just games played 24, 61. I mean, I don't know what happened there. Maybe Stan Van Gundy brought it out in him. You know, 
you can say all the bad things you want about Stan Van Gundy, but at least Zion played, you know, that season yeah. he played what 61 of 72 games missed all of uh, the 2021, 2022 season. And then just 29 games last year. I mean, when he plays it's elite, but he's going to play. And if he's not going to play, he's no good to you. He's just taking yeah, the cap yeah. space. And yeah, there, there's yeah. a very, there, there's a very Ben Simmons like aspect. I, I was just about to say this, uh, and this is the comparison I was going to make. Like when I say icky, it's the, it's the idea of a guy getting paid and then not caring about playing. Like that, that, that to me is icky. Like okay, once you get paid, you to me once you get the money, you should turn it up even more. Like, uh, like I, I can't stand the guys that dial it back when they get paid. To me, once you get paid, I'm like, man, I'm I want to turn it even more. I got this money now. I, I want to earn this check. More. Yeah, you exactly. But, but my my question with Zion, and I think this is the one that's just an open question with him right now. Okay, because you could make either comparison. You just gave the one. Is he more Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid? You know, and, and Joel Embiid's situation was totally different. He couldn't play those first couple of years. He was he was just flat out out and sideline. It wasn't an issue of, hey, he won't come back and all of that. But he's another guy who his first three years, and he didn't play those first two years, and I think played 31 games that that technically his third season, which was effectively his first. So three years into his career, we're talking about a guy, you know, who, uh, who, who was, uh, you know, a lottery pick who uh, – only played 31 games three years into his career. Now, it turn, turns out he's not a bum. He did want to play. He was just legitimately hurt. Whereas with and Ben Simmons. Yes. Yes. That, that part of it, too. Yes. And yes, that, yes. Organization, that organization was trying to lose games. Right. So I, I think that – I, I think it is far more Ben Simmons because – and I don't know how hurt Ben Simmons has been the last couple of years, but – Ben Simmons seemingly has had zero interest in playing basketball and whatever it is, mental, physical, whatever. He just has not made himself available. And I'm not questioning whether or not Zion Williamson has been hurt because I think that he has been. I mean, I saw, I saw him hurt his hamstring in that game back in January, whenever it was, but it's just the, how much urgency do you have to get back on the floor is what matters. And with Simmons, it never felt like he had a sense of urgency to get back on the floor. And for Zion, it did not feel like he had a sense of urgency to get back on the floor. And he also said some weird things in the media too, uh, towards the end of, of last season when it was pretty apparent that he wasn't going to play. So for me, I just, uh, Zion, listen, the, the reward for Zion would be great, but I'm going to let another team take the risk. That's Adam Spillane. I am Brandon Scott. This is the H-Town Who's Podcast. Hey, let's, we got to do 20 because we haven't gotten into 20. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the clock, but we definitely need to get into 20. Yeah, I, think, I'll, I'll, I think for me, I kind of assumed that they weren't going to pick there, but it, but they very well could. What do you think happens with 20? Well, so there, there are two things. Um, I think that, you know, 20 is a great trade-up possibility. And I think that Dallas is kind of out there like, hey, maybe you package 20 and K.J. Martin together to try and move up to 10. I don't know if Dallas would go for that, but, you know, Dallas is the type of team where they need to add guys. You know, they need to try and win games. So I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense for them um, to, to pick at 10. Um, but you could also there are there are guys at 20 where you kind of get into the more experienced college guys that could maybe help them right away. Somebody like a Jaime Hawkes could be uh, that type of guy. Um, there, there, there are a couple other guys that I think would, would fit that mold, but Hawkes is the guy that's just kind of off the top of my head that could really help them. 
Jordan um, Hawkins, Jordan Hawkins from uh, Haw- yeah, I think Hawkins will probably go earlier than that, but he, I mean, he would fill a huge need for them. I mean, yeah. hell, I would probably, I, I would look to trade up to maybe get a guy like him, especially if Grady Dick uh, comes is, is off the board by that point. But one of the the trades to look at, look at what Denver did during the finals. Remember that trade that they made with Oklahoma City, where they traded for, I think it's the thirty seventh pick in this draft plus a 2024 first round pick for next year. And they gave up their pick in 2029. Look at these teams that are veteran teams that don't necessarily have a pick in this draft or don't have a first round pick in this draft that could really stand to add some young talent, just an injection of young controllable talent. That is, I think is a t- the type of trade that you could see. So like they could trade 20 to Philly. You know, if it looks like Philly's going to going to get James Harden back, they could trade 20 to Philly and get back like a 2029 first round pick. And Milwaukee kind of fits that same mold as well, where you have, I think you're going to see um, just with the new CBA, it's these rookie contracts are going to become even more valuable, especially with the teams that have really big payrolls and are going to have trouble adding talent because of the second apron. Those are the types of teams that I think that you look to target if, if you're the Rockets and you're trying to get off of 20 to maybe get a pick in the future. So Philly would be one, Milwaukee would be the other. All right, there you have it. Adam Spillane, Brandon Scott, the H-Town Hoops podcast. This has been your preview. Make sure that you guys check this out, obviously, before the draft. And when draft time comes, 7 o'clock, don't forget we are live on the radio on Sports Radio 610. You can also catch us on the Odyssey app. Make sure with the H-Town Hoops podcast, you are subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling a friend. And until next time, y'all be good.